there. Welcome to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, where we explore mysteries, hauntings, and family secrets from the great state of Oklahoma and beyond. I'm Shy. And I'm Shanna. We're wannabe mystery solvers and cousins that love to hash out our favorite whodunits during family time. Our husbands are afraid of us, as As they they should be. be. Well, do we have all of our shit together? I, I mean, I, God, I hope so. <laughs> do you have any podcast uh, business that you would like to share? I do not have any podcast business that I would like to share. Okay. This week. Okay. Uh, oh, well. Yes. We should tell people that we're going to be doing a crossover episode. That's right. We are going to be doing a crossover episode. At the end of May. Yes. I'm so excited. Yes. it's. I'm super nervous about it. But Me too. Do you think they'll like us? God, I hope they do. I really do. I hope this wonderful new friendship is forged and we do multiple crossovers and meet all the new people in the podcasting world in Oklahoma. I think it would be, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Shit. I think it'll, I think it'll just be a door that that's opened for us. Yeah. At the very least, we'll make new friends. Yeah. Or really make some fresh enemies. We haven't made fresh enemies in a really long time. We haven't. I thought I was outgrowing that. I mean, we try, but yeah, there's only so much you can do. It's true, right? Yeah, that's true. So look out for our crossover episode. It's so exciting! At the end of May, yes. we'll be crossing over with Raven on the Sirens podcast. Yes, and it will be a good one. It'll be a good one. She's awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Yep, gonna be great. I can't wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> gonna be yep okay and we keep playing that over and over next <laughs> skip to 30 seconds ahead right yep. now thank you go okay <laughs> um that's the only podcast business i have uh one of my friends is sending us a very special surprise but i'm not gonna tell you what it is until <gasps> we're gonna open it together yay the next time we record i man I'm digging the the podcast surprise because I still get compliments on my my Tumblr. Yeah, at work. Yeah, everyone loves it. She said specifically. I thought it was going to be just for me, but um, she said specifically it's for me and you. Yeah. To open in the podcast because we're a pair. <laughs> because, like the Pilates teacher said today. We are the coolest cousins ever. I think she said cutest, actually. Oh. So I sounded like a real asshole when I was like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just like, yeah, we're cute. It's uh, totally agreeing with that. I mean, That's I hilarious. Maybe she said point, coolest. But... I don't know. Oh, well. Whatever. We are both. We are the coolest and the cutest cousins ever. We're just going to own that. We're going to take that in and embrace each uh, compliment that we thought we heard. Each one that we thought we heard. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 And mm-hmm. just embrace that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs>
Yep. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? I think I am ready now. Are we ready to do podcasting? I believe so, yes. Okay. I'm going to try to keep my ums and my sos to a minimum because a girl straight called me out on the interwebs. I know. And I respect her feedback. Right. So I'm trying to bring my Toastmasters training back. But we'll see what happens. I'm super proud of you. Uh, I did like the exchange on the interwebs between you and her. Um, it was very, uh, I, a very mature conversation. That I could have cried a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that conversation could have went south real fast. <laughs> and she ended up being like, well, you got a 15th fan or something at the very end. So like we 100%, I tell everybody all the time, we are still green at this. We are just doing something um, on a whim. We just got an idea one day to do this podcast. We're so green. We love the feedback. Please give it in a mature and respectful manner if you can. Because we do want the feedback. We need to know, um, you know, what you guys hear and maybe if there's something you don't hear um, as well. So just be nice. But yeah, just in a mature way. Thank you. Please let us know. We we want to make it better. We are we are um, always looking for ways to make it better. Always, and we know and that we are not professionals. 100%. 1,000% we are aware. Yes. I was proud of you for your <laughs> very Shan. I act like an adult every once in a while. Only I'm, sporadically. When I travel to New York, I channel Shanna <laughs> to be the mature <laughs> the mature adult who is in charge. God help you. It was amazing. God help you. It was the best time ever. <laughs> God help you. We were we were strong, independent women. One weekend in New York. You lived your best life. We did. Lived your best life. We did. So. I love it. I love it all. Okay. Uh, That was Feedback Corner. Um, um, Okay. We are doing, this week, Kirsten Hatfield. Oh. Yeah. It's going to be rough. Yeah. Because it's got a kid. Yeah. It's going to be rough. So this is your fair warning at the top mm-hmm. to, if you're not into, nobody's into true crime about kids. No one is. Right. If you can't handle it, if it makes you weepy, if it's going to ruin your vibe for the rest of the week, just turn it off now. Yes. It's fine. It's all good. Skip this episode. It is Skip okay. It. Go back to tornado prep. Yes, please. You're going to still need that. It's 100 degrees right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still May. And it's only the first part of May. So we're going to do Kirsten Hatfield. It's going to be rough. Oof, Let's okay. do this. Let's do it. Kirsten Renee Hatfield was born February 12th, 1989. Mm. And she was a really cute little girl. She actually kind of looked like you when she was little. Oh, wow. She had, like, brown hair. She was real petite. Brown hair. Brown eyes. 
Really cute little girl. Big smile. Mm. Yeah. She was really cute. When she was first born, her mother, Shannon, was only 18. Oh, wow. She had dropped out of high school. She was trying to make it work with Kirsten's dad, but it sort of fell apart. Right. Shannon moved back in with her parents outside of Oklahoma City, who helped raise Kirsten for the first few years of her life. And in one newspaper article, which everything that I've read about this, it's like all Oklahoma newspapers, um, the Oklahoma and KFOR, all that. Shannon said she finally got her life together after the first few years. Kirsten was about four and they moved into an apartment together. Okay. And... As a former single mom, that life is rough. Yeah. And when you're living by yourself with your little girl, your best friends. Right. And that kid is your ride or die homie. Yeah. So. So this was probably pretty, um, you could kind of relate to in some, yeah, in some form. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. They moved into an apartment. And sometime during that time, when Kirsten was around four, Shannon met the man that would be the father of her second daughter, her youngest daughter. And she got pregnant with her. They named her Faith. And then eventually Shannon and Faith's father got married in late 93. They moved out of state for a little while, but Shannon brought Kirsten and Faith back here when Shannon's mom was dying of cancer oh, wow. in 1995. So they lived out of state for like probably like a year mm-hmm. and then came back in 95. Shannon eventually got her GED and worked multiple jobs to make ends meet. And according to an Oklahoman article, Kirsten really didn't like to go to sleepovers or anything like that. She was a homebody Mm -hmm. and she preferred to be home with her mama. Okay. Which, same. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I always got homesick. You did. When I went anywhere. I think there was very (laughs) few times that you were actually, you stayed at our house the whole. Because I think if I remember right. Usually by 10 or so, you were like, I just really want to. And your mom would come and get you. I want to go home with my mom. I want to be with my mom. Come get me, mom. Yeah. I'm scared. Yep. They're going to make me dance. (laughs) Probably. So Kirsten has her two girls. And in the spring of 1997, they are renting a little house in Midwest City. Okay. Okay. Kirsten and her sister play with the neighborhood kids. Kirsten was playing softball. She was like a really happy kid. She had friends in the neighborhood. And her and her little sister shared a room in that house in Midwest City. So at some point on the night of May 13th, 1997... 
Kirsten's mom said she put the girls to bed around like 10 30, 11 o'clock. And after that, she heard Faith crying. So she went in and like opened the door, let some light in the door, checked on him, and then just left the door ajar. Okay. When Kirsten or when Shannon, the mother, got up in the morning to go in, Kirsten is not in her room at all. So her mom panics. It is a small house. There's really nowhere that she can be just hiding. Right. You know, panics. Right. So she's looking around. She finds Kirsten's bloody underpants in the backyard. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was also a little bit of blood on their window sill that was going into their room. So she immediately calls the police, obviously, Midwest City Police, to start a missing persons report. And the first week or so, they're distributing flyers. They're going around through neighborhoods around there saying, you know, did you see her on the... You know, anytime during that night or anything like that, they're asking next door neighbors, police are interviewing neighbors. I mean, they're doing everything they possibly can. Yeah. And of course, Shannon and her family are cooperating with police to try to find her. Um, but the police were kind of hassling her because she used drugs in the past and like partied a lot mm-hmm. in the past. Okay. Because people can't like that can't change apparently. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. <sighs> and she even when she was talking to a reporter from the Daily Oklahoman, she says, I certainly wasn't a perfect mother. I socially did drugs, but never around the kids. Mm-hmm. I will never touch that shit again. Right. If that is the reason that Kirsten is gone, then I am guilty. Oh. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Do you know, to have to explain or feel the need to explain your past. Yeah. Just dumb choices. Just dumb choices that you've made, which we've all made them. Right. Um, But to be just raked over the coals when your child is missing, you're... Oh, my God. And then just have these people. I get it. They have to do their investigation. I get that. But when you when you make it as if she started out her life in this one situation and then is now actively working to better her life. Right. They're still placing her in that same situation. Right. Um, that same past um box that she was in yeah and it was like it wasn't just her it was also her brother because apparently her brother had a drug charge Mm -hmm. and so they started thinking well what if you know a friend that they used to do drugs with or whatever came into the house and stole her or what if a drug debt was owed or something like that Mm -hmm. you know yeah um things like that but she 
was constantly looking for her daughter. And if you think about it, in 97, mm-hmm. Kirsten is seven years old. Okay. Um, Shannon was, like, 25 years old. Jeez. She is a baby with two kids. Yeah. And we all made stupid fucking mistakes that we would never want brought out of the closet if something went awry like that. Right. If your kid got kidnapped or whatever. You yeah. Know? Yes. So she was basically talking to anyone who could listen and saying, we're pretty sure it's a pedophile. But no one wanted to talk about that. They wanted to talk about how I used to do drugs socially. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the police are taking tons of leads. They're taking tons of phone calls. They're doing what they can with what they have, Mm -hmm. right? But by July of 97, the case is already getting a little bit cold, Mm -hmm. which is two months in. Jeez. And they had sort of, detectives had sort of gone through everyone. Neighbors, friends, family, exes, anything that came into the police department by phone or mail or anything else, they had looked through and they just had nothing. Nothing at all. And by July of 97, Shannon was fully convinced that they thought she was the guilty party. Oh, my gosh. They were only looking into her. So it just kind of went cold and basically died. And I'm sure you remember, because I remember, that for years, the news would have, you know, once a year, they Mm -hmm. would have, like, Kirsten Hatfield, Mm -hmm. have you seen her, yada, yada. Right. Those stories. Right. And I know they did um, at least one national story. It may have been a Dateline or something like that. I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. Something. Right. You know, it wasn't an unsolved mystery type thing, but it was something similar to that. Right. 48 hours or something. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just nothing was happening. Yeah. So, in, like, 17 years mm-hmm. go by. Mm-mm. And in 2014... A tip is called in about a journal that's found in Jones, Oklahoma. Okay. That detailed the disappearance of Kirsten. This is what a news article said. There are zero specifics about it and zero information about what the details in the journal entailed. Okay. Okay. So, it could have been, like, a weirdo scrapbook that someone was keeping. It could have been, like, newspaper clippings that someone had put together. Right. It was not fucking specific at all. Okay. But regardless, this tip about the journal that got called in in 2014 to Midwest City, the detective that got assigned to go look at it started reopening the case. Good. And looking at it with with fresh eyes. So a new detective was assigned, and what he did that no one had done before, apparently, mm-hmm. was do a fucking DNA profile on the blood that oh. was from the windowsill and the panties. 
What? Yeah. So he reaches out to OSBI and says, hey, can you test the blood that's on this? That's a novel fucking idea. Let's do that. So, of course, the OSBI did it. They were able to develop a profile Mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the new investigator is on it. Mm -hmm. He's committed. He's doing shit. He's re-interviewing witnesses. Nice. Re-interviewing people that they had interviewed before. And specifically, he goes back to Jet Drive in Midwest City and starts talking to people. Hey, did you live here in 97? Wow. In May of 97? So, they're getting all these new interviews, you know, re-interviewing people they've already interviewed, and all that jazz. And in the process of re-interviewing this pe- these people, they're saying, hey, can we get a DNA swab from you? Yeah. Okay. Pretty fucking smart, doing detective work. Yeah. Look at them. Right? So they're going through getting DNA samples off of people, cheek swabbing everybody, you know, getting all that done. Wow. And in 2015, they get a match. From one of the people they interviewed? Uh-huh. Ooh. Okay, I don't remember this. Okay, go. Uh-huh. What? So, it matched to a gentleman that lived on Jet Drive, two houses down from them, in May of 97, and he still lived there in 2015. That's terrifying. He had been interviewed in 97. Mm-hmm. And... They went back in 2014 and 2015 and interviewed him multiple times. And one of those times they took a DNA sample, obviously. Right. According to him, his statement was and has always been, I was at home that night. That's his alibi. That's his non-alibi, yes. His non-alibi alibi. Uh (laughs) Yeah. So, they're like, oh, fuck. We just, like, did some shit and, like, ran some tests. Who knew? And we got, like, a whole match. Who knew? Like, a whole ass match. It's funny. (laughs) It's funny how that kind of stuff works. (laughs) So, the guy's name is Anthony Palma. Yep. And some kids in the neighborhood used to call him... Uncle Tony. And why was he called Uncle Tony? Because he loved to hang around the kids? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He was very social. With the kids. Mm-hmm. 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 hmm mm-hmm. So after he gets picked up, and after his photo is on the news, Kirsten's little best friend from 97, that also lived in the neighborhood, was like, that guy was a fucking creep. And every time we walked down the street, he looked at us in ways that made me really fucking uncomfortable. 
and they were seven. They were seven. Listen to your kids when they say that. Seven. These kids know they can sense things better than adults can. I get they're more. Yeah, they're just more in tune with their own body and their own feelings because they haven't had 30 years of people telling them they're wrong. Yeah. People telling them don't feel that way. That's not how you should be feeling. They're just more in tune with like their gut instinct. Yeah, they're innocent. They don't. They don't have all, like you said, those years of lies in their heads. Yeah. So if, if your kid tells you somebody creeps them out, mm-hmm. listen to your child. Yeah. They're, they're really creeping them out. Her little, her mm. little best friend. Oh, my God. That has been missing her and wondering what happened to her for Bless almost 20 it. years was like, that guy was a fucking creep in 97. Still a creep today. Gross. Yeah. So, of course, they arrest him. They arrest him for kidnapping and murder. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In late 2015. And they start trying him in October of 2017. Okay. So they take, like, basically two years to develop their case. They they wanted to make sure that there was no um, loopholes of any kind, right? Right, right. Yeah. And during this time, they're also trying to interview him and saying, hey, can you tell us where her body is? Mm-hmm. We know she's dead. Tell us where her body is. Like, they dug up his backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, it w- They dug up a whole bunch of different stuff, but he would never... He's all he always maintained his innocence. Right. Right. So the trial sort of starts on October 10th, 2017, with kind of a bang. Oh. The first state's witnesses are three women who are like, this guy's a fucking creep. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> The first witness to take the stand claims that Palma snuck into her bedroom window when she was eight years old. She testified that he touched her inappropriately. She also testified that she never reported it to the police and only contacted the district attorney after she saw his photo on the news, she said on the stand that she felt guilty for not saying something sooner. Because she was quite a bit older than oh, Kirsten no. was. So it happened. It happened before, before. Kirsten. Yeah. Oh, no. And you'll remember Kirsten was taken from her bedroom in mm-hmm. 1997. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So the second witness to be put on the stand by the state says that she was violently attacked in her bedroom by Palma in 1982. What? She and her husband lived in the town of Walters and rented a garage apartment to him. At the time, he was 23 years old. (sighs) Oh, my God. He beat her up, assaulted her, and she thought he was going to murder her. When it happened. 
Did she, was this ever, the mm-hmm. police called and everything? Yep. So he, he served time for that assault. So hold on. So he has a criminal background of violence against women mm-hmm. from 82. Mm-hmm. And in 97, mm-hmm. when they're questioning people, they didn't see this. Listen. They didn't see that he had um, prior run-ins with assaulting women. So I looked him up on the Department of Corrections, and his uh, time that he served for that assault in 82 Am I going to mad? <laughs> it was assault with a deadly weapon. It wasn't sexual assault. And if they didn't look up the case file, because he was only incarcerated for, like, maybe two years. So it seemed like a very relatively minor offense. Right? I guess if you're a police officer, yes. And it wasn't a sexual offense against a child. She was a grown woman. So unless they called and got the case files from Cotton County and were like, what's the deal with this guy? (sighs) They would have never known that there was a sexual assault um, component to it. Because that's not what was adjudicated. It was assault with a deadly weapon. Anyone with prior records of any type of violence against anyone should have been high priority on their radar at the time. Agree. That it shouldn't have been. Agree. There should have been a. And any, the fact that they any, interviewed him multiple times. Mm-hmm. And he lived two doors down. The whole last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agree. 1,000% agree with you. So that's the second, second woman. Okay. That testified. Who was the, you said three. Yep. A third witness was called and says that Palma was a family friend mm. of hers. Gross. Okay. In 1999, Palma drugged her. She was a teenager at the time. When she woke up, she was in her underwear in the bathtub, and he was standing over her. What the fuck? Yeah. Yep. So, those were the witnesses for the state, plus the detective that reopened the case file mm-hmm. and, like, did the actual legwork and shit. Mm-hmm. The OSBI analyst that process the dna and everything like that right and then those people for the most part the defense did not have really anyone good yeah i'm not sad about it i'm just telling you yeah no i'm glad like obviously people thought he was a creepo and we're like mm, yeah no. and the defense's whole like game plan was to try to get the jury to believe that it wasn't possible that his DNA got in those places. It was human error. Um, and that he has maintained his innocence and that he was at home at the time. And I'm like, okay, well, like, anyone can lie. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's kind of what they tell you to do when you are a murderer and you're on trial for murder. Yeah. They tell you to lie. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So the trial only lasted like three and a half days. Oh, that's good. It was real fucking quick. That's good. And the district attorney asserts at closing arguments that Palma went into the residence on the night of May 13th, 1997 for the sole reason of abducting, raping, and killing Kirsten Hatfield. Yeah. The district attorney stated that although Kirsten's body has not been found, he is certain that Palma was the kidnapper and killer and did so for pure sexual deviant purposes. Right. Which we all agree. Yes. Right? Yes. We're all in agreement. Yes. 100%. <laughs> and just as an aside, when I was reading through all this uh, material and all the news articles and stuff, the assistant district, district attorney that tried this case, his name is Scott Rowland. Okay. I took a couple classes from him. And he was amazing. Nice. Amazing. Okay. Like, he got a journalism degree originally and worked at, like, a small-town newspaper. Okay. And then after he was already married and had kids, he decided to go to law school. As one does. Yeah. And get his law degree. And the stories that he told, like, because he would go through case files and how they set up prosecution for cases and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He would walk through it and it was just so interesting. Everything he said was interesting. Mm -hmm. And he had this way of speaking that painted a picture. And Those are the types of teachers, the yeah. types of people in general, when they can paint you the most clear picture. But I honestly think it's these people that truly enjoy, if not love, what they do and are very passionate about it in some way. Um, I think that just makes them telling the story, your experience of them telling the story, just that much more. Yeah. I think one of the memorable. classes I took from him was like a constitutional law class. Oh, wow. And so he would give us, um, he would give us a, essentially a case file scenario not mm -hmm. probably a real one with like names changed would be my guess. Right. A case file scenario. And then we would have to go into like law books and online and stuff and find case precedent for certain aspects okay. and write down why we think that this case precedent would apply to this situation and stuff like that. It was one of the most interesting classes I ever took. It was to, amazing. To be constitutional law class that is amazing is that's, yeah that it says was a lot so interesting it was so interesting i bet we would love to talk to him right now yeah he's actually um shortly after this anthony palma trial he was appointed to the oklahoma court of criminal appeals as a judge oh wow yeah okay he's killing it but i can only imagine that he's like giving appeals opinions and Mm -hmm. like 60 paragraph responses and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, none of that has to do anything at all with Kirsten Hatfield, but he was just a really great I mean, trial attorney. What is that level of level of whatever separation? Yeah. He mm -hmm. was just really interesting. Yeah. So when the state rested and defense rested for Anthony Palmer's trial, 
The jury took about an hour. Mm-hmm. Good. And I was like, he's guilty mm-hmm. of first degree murder. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it seems like, I don't know if they just didn't ever report on the kidnapping charge. I know he served time for the kidnapping charge, but the overarching big charge was first degree murder. Okay. I don't think they ever charged him with sexual assault because mm. I don't think they could prove it. Okay. I mean, there was like, we all think that's the reason why, right? Why else oh. would a grown man steal a little girl from her bedroom window? It's not to go play Barbies. Yeah. Okay. Right. Jesus Christ. Like, they just couldn't prove it. <sighs> so, um, the jury later decided that life in prison without parole was fitting for him. Okay. Agree. Yes. That is not where the story ends. So, Anthony Palma was serving out his sentence at OSP down in McAllister, Oklahoma State Penitentiary. When he was attacked and killed in his prison cell. Oh, yeah. By his bunkmate. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He died as a result of ligature strangulation and blunt force trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably a very painful death for him. Um, Probably He was probably scared out of his mind. Um, Yeah. I hope so. I hope so, too. I hope he peed himself. I I really hope he was scared to death Mm -hmm. because he then knew what it was like for that tiny baby. So, literally no one is sad that he was at the receiving end of prison justice. And isn't that... What happens is usually the pedophiles don't. Yeah, they don't typically last Typically last that long. Yeah. And it just is what it is. Yeah. At this point. No one's, like, thrilled about it, but there's literally nothing they can do with prison overcrowding and all that jazz. Right. So. (laughs) The bad part about it, though, is he never gave up the location to her body. So, the hope of finding her remains was kind of killed with him. Oh, gosh, that's sad. Yeah. So, Kirsten is still listed as a missing person, officially, Mm -hmm. just like Logan Tucker is. Mm -hmm. Even though the case has been adjudicated and someone was convicted, the body hasn't been recovered, so they're still listed as a missing person. Mm sad and there are so many of these in oklahoma it's really scary that are Uh, very similar of child ones yeah yeah and that little girl that just got murdered in enid is potentially the worst thing i've ever i don't think i've seen this story you didn't see you watch the news every day i do watch the news every day but how did i miss this was it not on my news channel oh man (laughs) Bro. Is it rough? Like. It's. It will make you so mad, but I'll just give you a brief synopsis. Okay. Little two, three-year-old girl Uh staying at a motel with her parents Uh and her grandparents, I guess. 
a guy doing work at the motel, like some sort of maintenance work, work. I don't know if it's painting, renovations, don't know. Anyway, this literally just happened like two weeks ago. A guy doing maintenance work befriends the parents and the no. little girl at the hotel pool. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And gets the parents to go do meth with him. And then sends the parents out on an errand to find him a hooker. Sorry, that's a non-PC word. A sex worker. But he called him, probably called them. Yeah. 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 His he, terms, not he ours. He wanted somebody, t- he wanted a prostitute to spend the night with. Sends them out to find her. A, find, find a woman for him to spend time with. And while they're out doing a fool's errand high on meth, he sneaks into their motel room and abducts the little girl and rapes her and kills her. Oh, my God. Puts her in the hotel swimming pool for someone to find. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is the absolute most fucked, disgusting. I had to stop reading it. Yeah, I hadn't heard this. That's awful. I had to stop reading it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's awful. Yeah. And I was reading a news story about it. I wasn't even reading, like, real shit. I was reading news-appropriate shit about it, and I was so angry that I almost lost it. Mm. It was gross. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's awful. Just the absolute most fucked nonsense happens. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's always the maintenance guy. It's literally always the maintenance guy. Always. Always. Yep. So that's your uh, weekly dose of depression. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. Wow. That was... That was a really good story about Kirsten. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't know that they that he never gave up her um, remains where they were left. That's awful. Yeah, that's terrible. They they dug up his backyard and everything, but I'm like, he went. Somewhere. Why would you stay two houses down though? You know what I so mean? The, so I bet you when they tear that house down, they'll find her. Like under the crawl space or something. Yeah. I don't know. She'll, yeah. If he's going to stay in that house, yeah, it's probably, you're right. This, That's all I could think somewhere. was like. Did he pour a slab? I don't know. I can't tell from the way the house looks if it's, you know. Yeah. You can't tell. Yeah. So, but that was the only thing I could think is if you're the guy. Why do you stay there for almost 20 years? Right. Unless the remains are in your house or the remains are in your backyard and you can't. Right. Risk anyone else moving into this house and finding them. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, they're there somewhere. But. Mm, God bless. I don't know that we'll ever know unless someone just happens across them. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So. Well, thanks. Thanks, Shan. Thanks, Shy. If you've enjoyed this episode or you're just really optimistic that we'll only get better from here, 
Like, subscribe, follow You're Doing Fine Oklahoma on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at You're Doing Fine OK Pod. That's you are underscore doing underscore fine underscore OK underscore pod.